0: Homily for the Second Sunday in the Season of Lent, March 8, 2020, St. Mary's Church, Grand Forks. Today we are celebrating Safe Haven Sunday. Bishop Fulda has asked all the parishes of the diocese to mark this observance by building one another up in our efforts to honor the God-given dignity of the human person we are reminded to redouble our commitment to protecting the innocence of our children and young people, bombarded as they are by the decadence of our society and its forms of so-called entertainment. The Catechism of the Catholic Church puts it well. Pornography is a grave offense. It immerses all who are involved in the illusion of a fantasy world. It does grave injury to the dignity of its participants since each one becomes an object of base pleasure and illicit profit for others. Think of it this way. There are people whom you would not allow in your home because their presence would be an intrusion that poses a danger to your family. Those very characters are bypassing your front door and striding on in through computers and devices. Once upon a time, smut peddling consisted of magazines in the back corner of the gas station. Now, it's so much more invasive and ubiquitous. We want to arm our households with effective tools for the fight, so we are making available a small book entitled Confident, Helping Parents Navigate Online Exposure, that you will find at the church entrances. I ask parents and grandparents of young children to please be sure to take one as you leave today. The five murals in our sanctuary represent the five luminous mysteries of the Holy Rosary. We reflect on what's in the center panel every year on this second Sunday of Lent, as we hear one of the Gospel accounts of the Transfiguration of the Lord Jesus. The gentleman who painted it produced for us a replica of a masterpiece from one of the best-known artists of the Renaissance, a man history has come to know simply as Raphael. Raffaello Sanzio da Urbino grew up in central Italy, close to the Adriatic Sea. He died at the young age of 37 in the year 1520, but produced many famous works in his short lifetime. Many of them exist to this day and are found in the Vatican Museums. Five pig figures appear with Jesus in this painting. He invited three of his apostles to the summit of the mountain. Peter is the one with the gray hair, indicating his advanced age, and James is beside him. To your right is John, portrayed without a beard to indicate his relative youth compared to the rest. On top, Moses is on the left side holding stone tablets, on which the Ten Commandments were inscribed. To the right is the prophet Elijah. He may be the less obvious choice in our minds, but for the people of Israel, Moses and Elijah held a special prominence. Elijah doesn't have a book of his ministry named after him, but his story appears in the first book of Kings. The Bible reports that Elijah was whisked away to heaven by a carriage and team of horses that came down from the sky. Because of this, a pious devotion developed among the Jews that Elijah would return to be the herald of the Messiah. This explains why many people thought John the Baptist was actually Elijah, returned from the great beyond. As Moses and Elijah each communed with God on a mountaintop in a climactic moment in their lives, So Jesus stood on a mountaintop as they appeared to him. And just as one is able to see long distance clearly from a mountain vista, so Peter, James, and John were able to see the Lord in a brand new way. But as they reflected on the vision before them, Simon Peter gave voice to the temptation to stay put and bask in the glory that was in front of them. This is as good as it's going to get. Why don't I build some tents, and we can just stay here? But he soon came to realize that the people in the valley below would rely on them to share the good news. There would have been a certain comfort to remaining with our Lord Moses and Elijah that day. But at times, comfort needs to take a back seat. One of the spiritual works of mercy is to comfort the afflicted, but there's a popular play on words which says that the gospel also serves to afflict the comfortable. When the Father directed the apostles to listen to his Son, this meant being willing to give up a complacent and comfortable existence for the sake of the kingdom of God and its demands. Let's consider what seeing our Lord transfigured did for Peter, James, and John in the long run. Jesus placed this image in their minds so that it would abide within them once all heck was breaking loose after his arrest on Holy Thursday night and what one scholar had referred to as the scandal of the cross. John managed to make his way to the foot of our Lord's cross alongside our Blessed Mother. Peter denied that he even knew Jesus when pressured by a crowd, but at least came down to the courtyard of the high priest to see what would happen. As for my namesake, James, your guess is as good as mine. He took off and ran for the hills. But we know that on Easter Sunday, the remaining eleven, Judas had taken his life by then, reconvened. And I should mention that James, the son of Zebedee, was the first among the apostles to be martyred and receive his eternal reward. What Jesus did for Peter, James, and John once upon a time, he did for our sakes as well. Life can be a dreary slog much of the time, with vexing temptations, sufferings to bear, and aches and pains. How blessed we are to have received this image of a foretaste of glory. In his transfiguration, our Lord Jesus, who in so many ways humbled himself in appearance and in conduct, gives us a peek behind the curtain, to behold even for a moment his divine grandeur. Today we ask for an increase in the Spirit's gifts of faith, hope, and love, so that we may continue to fight the good fight, and never be separated from him. Amen.